The Bob Murphy Show, episode 253. There's a tidal wave coming. What you gonna do? Get ready for another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. The podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. It's your source for commentary and interviews, conducted by a Christian and economist. Now here's your host, Bob Murphy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Bob Murphy Show. So first of all, let me apologize again for the lag in posting. All I can say is there's a new Murphy in town little baby boy at this point, about what, 16 days old. And so that's, I think, a pretty good excuse for why I've been so tardy in getting this new episode up. So what I will say is at the very least for several episodes going forward until I'm at least back on a regular posting schedule, I won't put any ads in the episode. How's that? That's the best I can do for you folks. All right. Also, what I'll do is you'll see this episode, I'll put in some things here that Probably I wouldn't have done had this not been so late. So at least we'll justify that for you, that you're going to see a side of me that you haven't seen before. All right. I'll take a chance. Living on the edge. So what are we talking about in this episode? I want to do an episode on this whole Kanye West thing, or yay, the artist formerly known as Kanye West. I think I'm just going to be referring to him as Kanye or Kanye West, because if you don't know, he legally changed his name to yay. And I don't know what the backstory is. If I ever have a conversation with him, you know, that might be one of the things I explore. Off of his Jesus is Lord or King album, he's got a song about washing the blood in there. He says at one point, you know, they're trying to do a fake Kanye. I call him Kanye. That's right. I call him Kanye, like C-O-N, yay, like a con man. And so I don't know if like in his mind, like the like yay is really what he was and like the con. And so he's taking that out. I don't know. But in any event, so people, if you ever see them referring to him as Ye or on Twitter, he just goes by Y-E, Ye. That's what it is. But I might slip and start calling him Ye. And so I won't do that. I'm just going to call him Kanye. In any event, as I'm sure many of you know, he's been in the news recently. It started, he posted some things on Twitter. I believe they were text messages he was sending to somebody else where he's openly referring to the Jewish media And so he got in a lot of trouble for that and then got dropped from a bunch of corporate sponsorships and it knocked down his net worth from over a billion down to like a mere paltry 400 million, right? So he had a bad week. And anyway, I want to talk about this. And he was recently on the Lex Friedman podcast to discuss these matters as well as others. Incidentally, if you never saw that, check it out. It was really an interesting discussion, the way it went. Like I was very impressed with Lex. He was very critical of Kanye talking about, quote, the Jewish media and stuff, but not in a way that looked like Lex's point was to curry favor with the establishment. All right. So he wasn't dressing down Kanye to impress the audience. It didn't come off as, at least to me, it looked like he was truly like trying to help Kanye and say, why did you frame it like that? Like, you know, you undercut your message. If there were particular people who, you know, did you dirty, why not just refer to them as individuals, that sort of thing. So that's what I want to talk about because I haven't really, I think Lex missed an obvious way to try to get his point across. 
because what ended up happening, and I was going to grab some clips, but I don't know if it's going to make sense. I'll play you something in a minute here just to give you some context, but it seemed to me because Lex is like, well, but it wasn't the Jewish media. And then Kanye's like, oh, it wasn't? And his eyes are wide. Or maybe he was referring to like the people in the music industry that Kanye had been complaining about. So they weren't. It's, it's clear that Lex is saying, why are you picking that particular thing to focus on? And whereas Kanye is taking Lex to be saying, I doubt you that in all these stories you're bringing up, these people were of Jewish ethnicity or heritage. Like they must've been something I and Kanye's like, no, what are you talking about? You weren't there. How do you know? You know? So it's, there was this basic misunderstanding at this first. And I don't think Lex did a good job of like just clearing up that misconception or presenting that to Kanye to say, this is my point. All right. So let me go ahead and at this point, let me just play some clips from that. So I did get the sense though, that Lex really was trying to help Kanye and to say, look, I don't feel like you have hate for the Jewish people. And I'm just trying to show you if you had just phrased things differently, you could have gotten your point across and enlisted the help of some powerful people. If you really have been mistreated professionally or, you know, in your dealings with your divorce and whatever visitation rights with your children and so forth. And so Maybe I'm naive, but I got the sense that Lex really was just trying to help the guy and the cameras happened to be rolling. And so you can take that for what it's worth. But I I was in contrast when Kanye had like just a bit earlier been in hot water for wearing a White Lives Matter shirt with Candace Owens at some event. And then he went on Tucker Carlson. To me, that seemed sort of like a very superficial interview. And, you know, Carlson was doing over the top laughter at some of Kanye's remarks, which weren't intrinsically all that funny. It's, it just did, it seemed kind of contrived to me or orchestrated, let's say, choreographed, whereas it looked like Lex and Kanye were having a serious discussion and it like it got intense at points. You know, there, it was sort of like there was rising action and, you know, cathartic release at various points. And, whew, and at the, the ending, I won't spoil it, but the ending was funny too, Kanye. <laughs> it, was, it was funny at the end. So anyway... If you're not familiar with Lex Friedman or you, you kind of know who he is, but you never sat down and watched the whole thing. And also I would say on that one, if you are going to give it a chance, just watch the whole discussion instead of looking at clips. Because if you just look at clips, you might not get how, oh, they started out and they were real buddy-buddy. In fact, in the beginning, Kanye is like, pulls out a notebook and just starts writing down full sentences that Lex is saying. Like to say, oh yeah, that's good. I'm going to write that. You know what I mean? And it doesn't come off as corny. It's like, that's just how Kanye is. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a standard podcast discussion or conversation. And so that's why I said, but then the, it takes a turn when they start talking about, okay, now recently you got in trouble for blah, blah, blah. And let's talk about that. So anyway, I'll stop praising my competitor. And then, oh, also I should mention there is a, the baby we alluded to earlier is a mere seven feet from me sleeping. So if you hear a noise in a bit, it's him. Okay. So let me go ahead and just play you a clip or possibly two clips back to back. I have to go look them up to see exactly how to convey it, but go ahead and do that. The truth is, I'm giving a fact, 50% today of, let's say, you don't call Black people Jew, right? Black people's death today is abortion today, right now. Like that, it's not racism. That's too wide of a term. It's genocide and population control that Black people are in today 
in America that is promoted by the music and the media that Black people make that Jewish record labels get paid off of or media companies. Uh, record labels and media company also, so let's give it a wider... You know, I agree with Mar Martin Luther King. I have a dream, too. Martin Luther that King one day was... you would not be judged <laughs> by the color of your skin or your race, Black or Jew, but by the content of your character. All the assholes that f***ed you over in the music industry, f artists over in the music industry, are individuals. They're not Jews. Can you can they, you? They, they are. They are Jewish. It doesn't. They're human with opportunities, and they took those opportunities. Okay, so there you have it. So again, the fundamental problem here, the talking past each other, is Lex Friedman understandably is saying, "Why are you referring to the Jewish media or all these Jews in the music industry who screwed you over?" You know that just amplifies the hatred that these people have suffered historically. And it just, you know, encourages the anti-Semites out there who bear hatred in their hearts. And I know you're not like that. You're full of love. So why are you doing that? That's counterproductive. I, I know that's not really what you're trying to convey. And Kanye is like, no, they really were Jewish. What are you talking about? <laughs> Incidentally, too, at the point of clarification, in one of his tweet threads where he originally got in serious hot water and started getting dropped from various sponsorships. Kanye said something like, you know, after he's railing against the Jews who control the media or whatever, he says, oh, by the way, I can talk like this because I am Jew. Then I thought that was weird. Like he didn't say, I am a Jew. He just, I am Jew. And it's like, what do you mean? You are, you are Jewish? Or like, did you run out of space in the tweet? What, why did you say it like that? It sounds ungrammatical. So he clarified on this interview with, Lex Friedman, and he's saying, well, no, I'm not, I don't refer to myself as Jewish because that means of or like Jews. He said, I am Jew, right? So that's what he was, so like the sun is not yellowish, it's yellow. That's what he was getting at. You know, he's saying because he thinks the black Africans are descended not from the ruling pharaohs of Egypt, but instead from the enslaved Israelites. Okay, so I don't know too much about exactly what his theory is and why Kanye thinks he himself is Jew in his phrasing. So I'll just leave it at that though. So you can go ahead and analyze that if you want. So again, the fundamental problem here is that Lex was saying, why are you picking that way to describe them, to categorize them? They're individuals. And Kanye at times took him to be like arguing that, oh no, they're they weren't Jewish. Maybe they were something else. And he said, no, they really were. I, you know, I was there. I'm telling you, they were. <laughs> and so I think maybe the way Lex could have gotten his point across, and the reason I'm saying this is because this comes up all over the place when you see this. For example, well, let me make the point and then I'll give a different example. Is to say, well, Kanye, think back to all these people that you have in mind. And you're saying, gee, the common thread here is they all happen to be Jewish. And you say, yeah. And say, how many of them were women? And I'm guessing the answer is zero. And so then he goes, said, okay, Kanye, how come you aren't just complaining about men, like the men who control the media and the men who control the music industry? And why aren't you just a feminist railing against the patriarchy? Right? You could do that. Geez, all, these men are starting all these wars. That's basically a true statement. Truer than saying 
all there's Jews who start these wars the way Mel Gibson did when he got arrested. Might not be exact quote, but he said words to that effect reportedly, right? You're much on much firmer ground to say they're all men. So why he could have said that? Or did they all speak English? I'm guessing that's true. So how come you didn't rail against all these English speakers? Did they all have suits on? Or do they wear suits as part of their job? Probably. So why don't you rail against all these corporate suits? Did they all have two eyes? Guessing most of them did. Then why don't you rail against all these people with two eyes? Right? So you see, so there's a lot of sorts of true statements he could have made to classify or describe the people that did him wrong. So why are you focusing on that one particular feature? And that's really, you know, and I'm not saying that would have been a mic drop. There's things you can do to come back from that. And, you know, you can stop and think, well, gee, okay, why is that? You know, you have to use a different example. You know, you're out in the jungle and a tiger is approaching. It's, it, I'm adapting an example that I think Thomas Sowell would use. Like when he was talking about prejudice and whatever and saying, you know, you're out in the, or maybe it was Walter Williams. See, I'm getting them mixed up. I wonder why. And to say, if you're out in the jungle and a tiger approaches, it's entirely reasonable for you to say, in general, tigers can be dangerous. So I'm going to be wary of this one, even though I don't know the track record of this particular organism. This particular tiger, for all I know, could be quite tame. Maybe he escaped from the Boston Zoo and, you know, really just wants to cuddle and eat some, whatever, filet mignon out of my hand. But absent that knowledge, I am going to err on the side of safety. All right. So, you know, someone who is prejudiced against certain racial groups why couldn't they just say, well, statistically speaking, blah, 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 blah. Right. So that's why I'm saying, okay, but just be consistent. So you should also be afraid, you know, of men. And in fairness, you know, you're out walking on the street at night and you see three men approaching you. You're going to be a lot more on your guard than if you see three women approaching you. Right. I mean, that's normal. and It doesn't mean you are a man hater. But yet I would say 100% virtually of the people online who I see who, you know, they have their green frog avatars and put people's names in triple parentheses and chastise me for not addressing the Jewish question and say there are people that do that. I'm guessing they also get annoyed if some lady complains about men and the patriarchy and they say, not all men, right? So, okay, if you have ever in your life said, not all men, then you really should not be making blanket statements about, I couldn't just say not all Jews, right? So you see that. Another example of this kind of inconsistency where, again, you're not just like, oh, oh my gosh, stereotypes, let me go get my swooning couch. But just to say, okay, if you want to go that route, be consistent, would be, I was um, like with the IQ stuff, right? So I was at, was, was I a professor or a student? I can't remember because I was both a professor and a student at Hillsdale College. Not at the same time, different times. And there was what they called the CCA, the Center for Constructive Alternatives. It was like their lecture series. And some speaker came in and I think they didn't realize how uh, uncomfortable <laughs> his talk was going to be because he got into stuff about IQ and like the immigration policy of the United States. And, you know, he had, so I wasn't there to see it live when there was controversy, people's you know, I heard about it and then I went and watched the video of it to see. And so like he posted, I don't know if there was an overhead projector or if he just read the numbers, 
but it was saying like the different average IQ of the different immigrant groups and the people from African countries had lower IQs than the people from Scandinavian countries, let's say. And so he was saying, so that's why, you know, we should limit the immigration from the first group. And of course, a lot of people, oh, that's racism, that's stereotypes, and they were losing it. But I want to say, okay, his own numbers that he read to the audience showed that the highest group, by whatever metric he was using, were Asians. So my question would, you know, could have been, okay, so according to your own logic, we shouldn't be letting in people from Sweden because they're too stupid. We should be letting in only, you know, Japanese people. And yet that wasn't his recommendation. He was cool with white people from Western Europe coming in, even though they had lower IQs than some of the other immigrants coming in. So it was kind of arbitrary that he was going to shut the door at one point in that spectrum, right? So that's just an example of what I mean. Not literally the same thing, but I noticed when Chris Cantwell was on Dave Smith's show. So here we go. Here's, here's where I'll talk about some things that, you know, maybe before I would have erred on the side of caution. But you know what? You guys have waited so long. Let's get nuts. You want to get nuts? All right, let's get nuts. Cantwell, known in some circles as the crying Nazi, before he became a Nazi, he was actually just an a-hole in the libertarian movement. And he was on Dave Smith's show. So right now we're going to pause. I will play the clips if we can get them. So I haven't done the research. Again, I the baby gave me a break here and I want to just record this and get the wheels in motion. I haven't yet had time to go look. I know I can find when the episode was, but I don't know if the gas digital, you know, if we're going to be able to grab the clip in question, you know, or whether it's behind a paywall. And I guess I'm implicitly admitting that I'm not a subscriber to gas digital by me saying that. So I'll set it up. And in a few moments, you're either going to hear clips of Chris Cantwell talking to Dave Smith, or you're going to hear some funny sound effect that my sound guy is going to put in because we can't get the clips ready. Go. Okay. So in the off chance that we couldn't get him, let me paraphrase from memory what Cantwell said. So it was kind of funny. So Cantwell at that point, this was after Charlottesville, but before Cantwell had been arrested. And he was, you know, basically saying to Dave, yeah, sure. My ideal society wouldn't have Jewish people in it. You guys would all get deported, except not you, Dave. You're cool. Right. And it was that sort of a thing where even the guy with collectivist stereotypes and whatnot, like, couldn't actually in personal conversation, you know, it's hard to maintain that just because of natural human sympathy. And, and Dave's a likable chap. So what I noticed, though, there was an inconsistency that Dave missed that he could have brought up to Chris. So, and, and Dave, by the way, in case you're wondering, like, geez, Dave had this guy on his show. He really is an alt-right sympathizer and a purveyor of hate. No, Dave's point was there are people who believe this stuff. And so if we just ignore it, that's, you know, in other words, it's not like actual neo-Nazis feel welcomed in society or haven't been told, hey, most of us disagree with your views. They know that. And so just for people to continue to ignore them and just bar them from discussion, that they're driven underground and that just reinforces, yeah, they can't handle the truth. They don't even debate us. And so Dave's philosophy, whether he's right or wrong, was let me have an open conversation with this guy and critique his ideas. And Dave said that he was getting a lot of feedback from people saying, yeah, I was toying with this alt-right stuff 
until I heard you, Dave, and then you kind of pulled me out of it back into more mainstream libertarianism. All right. So take that for what it's worth. But that's Dave's philosophy. And Dave also, I think, had a good point where he was saying, you know, I would be on CNN panels with people who were architects of the Iraq war or you know, people who'd worked for the CIA or whatever in, in some capacity and were promoting war and nobody was yelling at me for being on the same platform as someone who was responsible for deaths. And yet the fact that I'm talking to Chris Cantwell, you know, that, that all of a sudden is beyond the pale. Like that's kind of stupid, right? So there's certain things in our society that are totally cool, even though on any objective metric, they're far more horrifying than just someone who has admittedly detestable views on race and ethnicity. Okay. So the, that's the situation. That's the context. So anyway, Chris, on the one hand, was pointing out how, yeah, it's not enough. Like, yeah, the Austro-Libertarians, they got me to appreciate the problems with, you know, departure from sound money. Like, I could see the problem with central banking, you know, monetary inflation, the boom-bust cycle, blah, blah, blah. But that's not enough. You know, it took the racialists, other writers, to get me to see the bigger picture it just so happens, like, who, look at who runs the central banks. It's not a bunch of Gentiles, right? That was Cantwell's point. And so, you know, we're stopping short in the analysis. And then later in the discussion, Dave, you know, had an admirable attempt to try to poke some holes in Chris's worldview. And he's like, Chris, you're crediting, you know, your starting out point with the ideas of Austrian economics and political libertarianism. The two giants in those traditions are Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard. And, you know, they're not wasps. So what's up? And Chris, I thought, had a kind of goofy point there, a rebuttal. And he said, oh, well, if Mises hadn't written human action, you know, some Gentile would have shortly thereafter. Or, you know, whatever Rothbard's insights were, some other guy who wasn't Jewish would have discovered them not that long after. So, no, I'm not going to say that there's good and bad in these people. Something like that. Okay, so that's goofy on two counts. So number one, just, I mean, you could use that for anything and then we should never appreciate anybody's. And like Isaac Newton, he's a punk because somebody else would have discovered F equals MA eventually. And so no one's ever credited for anything. And that's kind of goofy. But also he's being inconsistent. So earlier he was trying to show how bad these people were because look at, they all run central banks. Say, so, okay, so if we didn't have them running central banks, what, those institutions would have just collapsed? no. Gentiles would have come in and run them. And historically, I'm sure it's not literally 100% the way Cantwell was making it anyway. And so that's an obvious point that I was hoping Dave was going to make. And I don't think he did, but just to show you're being inconsistent here, that if you're going to blame them anytime they do something bad, but then anytime they do something good, say, well, they shouldn't really get credit for that because had they not done that good thing, somebody else would have done it. Okay, well, you could just say the same thing with the, you know, well, gee, if they didn't run the banks and charge usurious interest rates, somebody else would have come in and done it if they all just, you know, renounced their positions of authority and closed their doors. So you could do the same way. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, you can just say, oh, that's horrible. I can't believe anyone in this day and age has those views. But even just taking a straightforward face value, you could sit there and critique what the views were and say, no, that's actually kind of a goofy argument. All right. Before I forget, I did want to give some extra content again, because I feel bad about how long things went. Let me give you a little gossip. I was supposed to moderate a debate between Chris Cantwell and Jeff Tucker. I believe the topic was brutalism. 
I could be wrong about that, but I think it was something like that. And I bowed out of that because I knew I could see the trajectory that Chris was on at that point. And I just thought, no, I don't want there to be video out there. Me moderating a debate with this guy as one of the debaters. And specifically what it was is there had been a shooting. It was like in a, I want to say a Walmart, but I don't know if that's right. But like there were two off-duty police officers that were like eating pizza somewhere and some guy went nuts and he was going around shooting people and he went up and like shot him point blank and Cantwell was, you know, in his platforms, he wasn't openly endorsing it, but he was kind of playing footsie with it. Like, well, you know, like speaking of it abstractly, if agents of the state are doing this and they're violating your rights and, you know, does anyone get mad if the uh, members of the French resistance attacked some German officers, if they were eating a baguette in Paris, you know, stuff like that. Like, so he wasn't literally saying, yes, I advocate people who listen to my show should go do such and such, but you could see what he was hinting at. And I just thought, no, that is so far away from anything I want to be related to. I don't want to be in the same zip code as this stuff. And so I pulled out of that debate and I made the right call. Right. So this was, like I say, before he was openly espousing Nazism on a vice television shows or whatever that thing is. So there you go. That's a little gem for you. little inside gossip to help justify the fact that you contributed to the show and you haven't seen an episode in two weeks. Okay. So let's, again, just think a little bit more about this stuff. So, you know, you want to talk about stereotypes. Okay. Again, you could just say, we're not going to do stereotypes, period, the way, you know, Lex was. But then you can say, well, they are useful. Like I said, the tiger example, or, you know, I've noticed I go into Chinese restaurants. They're typically run by families and they've got like the kids working and the kids know how to make change at the register. They're running around and then they go. And when it's slow, they're over in the corner doing their homework. And I can't help but think, okay, yeah. And I know from the data that in general, people in China have a higher savings rate than Americans. They're, you know, they're, I'm seeing a sort of biased sample, of course, by those who are immigrants and they're going to be entrepreneurial. Don't get me wrong, but they stress education. You know, there's all the stereotypes of the tiger mom and things like that. And it tells me, it reinforces my prediction that yes, China is going to be the superpower of this century. It's not fully there yet, but I think the U.S. empire is collapsing and it will be replaced by the Chinese. And I've noticed too, like in their movies, that there's like, because you can see movies right now where there's a sort of blend. I forget the name of it, but there was a movie recently, maybe like in the last two years, where it had Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan in it. So I'm guessing that pins it down. You can figure out what movie I'm talking about. There's probably not too many movies like that. And it had like the, when it was Chinese characters speaking, they spoke in their language and it was, you know, subtitled in English. And then, you know, Arnold was speaking in, in English and so on. And so, you see these, like, this is a blending, like to show you as these markets are merging and it's no longer that, you know, the U.S. market dominates the world. Like now it's Chinese consumers are getting the bigger seat at the table. And what it, my wife and I noticed watching this film was the backstory, you know, so how the movie starts and it has to give you like the legend background before then, you know, the present action kicks in in the movie and the story now picks up in the present in terms of, you know, the narrative. And the backstory was long. I can't tell you clock time how long it was, but it was 
way longer than would have been the case in a typical Hollywood blockbuster movie, you know, because this was like an action film. Again, Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger, this wasn't a psychological thriller. And so it was just remarkable like to see. And I think, you know, it's just kind of reflecting that IS and their culture, tradition and family and blah, blah, blah is way more important than it is for U.S. audience. U.S. audience would be more like, oh, how does this weapon work? You know, what's the technology behind this gun? Or, oh, this thing is magic? Like, what does it do? Oh, okay. You know, that's the way a U.S. audience would look at it, not so much, whoa, these brothers were all, you know, had this event happen, and then this guy's father said such and such, and blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, my point in bringing these things up is to say, am I not allowed to think like that? Am I not allowed to sort of contrast Chinese culture with the U.S. culture and make predictions about, yeah, I think China's going to overtake the United States eventually. I think I'm allowed to do that. Let me give you another example. We talk about, oh, well, you know, geez, stereotypes. Or when it comes to comedy, stereotypes are completely legitimate if they're used appropriately. And I don't mean you're thinking I'm going to talk about like, you know, racial jokes or something. That's not what I mean. I'm saying, for example, when I was in college, there was this guy that I worked with. And for whatever reason, I don't even know how it came up, but I was doing my impressions of like Jackie Mason and Henny Youngman and stuff. And he thought they were hilarious. And so like, whenever we were working together, like eventually we'd, you know, he'd say, Oh, Bob, do that again. It, you want him? Okay, fine. It's been a while. It won't be that great now, but it was, um, no, folks, I like to get serious for a minute. In this city, every five minutes, a man is hit by a car. Now, I don't know who this guy is. If he doesn't watch out, he's going to get himself killed. And then the other one was the other day I come home and find my best friend in bed with my wife. I says, Morty, I have to, but you, there you go. So why did I relate those again? Because I'm trying to give you extra content besides econ, but also my point is for those jokes to work, it would have to be a stereotypically Jewish comedian giving the delivery in particular, the one about the guy saying, Morty, I have to, but you Kanye couldn't have said that joke. Kanye's bragging to Lex Friedman about how hot Kim Kardashian is. And saying things like, only Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio can talk to me about women because, you know, we're in a league of our own here. Right? So it wouldn't make sense for Kanye to sit there, you know, now take my wife, please. You know, he would say, if you take my wife, you're dead. (laughs) Right? It's a different vibe. So you get the point I'm making here. Like, there's that whole Jewish culture and, you know, sort of neuroticism. And why does this stuff happen to us? Right? Like, that's what makes it funny. And how do we deal with this stuff that keeps happening to us? We're going to have a good sense of humor about it. What can you do? Okay. So I'm saying like, there's all these stereotypes that get baked into this stuff. And to just say, no, no, no. Everyone's an individual full stop. No, that's not the answer. All right. Going along with these issues of, okay, if you're going to look at things in terms of groups or whatever, group dynamics, there are patterns, right? Historically. What often happens is there's a displacement. The Jews get persecuted in one region. They flee. They end up somewhere else. And then within a generation, they own a bunch of the businesses in that area and often concentrated in the financial sector. And that helps explain why there's such resentment against them, right? These people come in with the shirts on their backs and then a generation later, their kids are richer than our kids. That's not fair. You know, it can't be because they work hard and they have a, a better ethic, you know, or they have intrinsically, you know, better business skills or something. No, that must be because they're uh, evil. 
or they're, you know, cutthroat, whatever. They do things that, that we Christians wouldn't do, right? And historically, you know, one of the obvious examples would be if the Christian church prohibited usury, but Jewish people had no problem charging so-called usurious interest rates, then, you know, oh, look at these moneylenders, right? So that's partly what would happen too, is where it'd be illegal. Like there'd be legal limitations on the sorts of businesses they could go into. And so then they would go into certain areas and specialize, and then everybody would resent them for being so prominent in those areas where they were kind of forced into. Okay. So you see stuff like that. And again, I don't think it's helpful to just say, oh, no, 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 no. Everyone's an individual. Like those patterns are there. And the racists or anti-Semites are going to say, you're just denying reality if you say they're not there. And so I think it's better if you're literally trying to argue with those people or combat those views instead of just declaring it off limits and we're going to punish anybody professionally who dares think that. That's not going to cure the problem. That's just going to make people keep their mouth shut and think it privately. And so the way to get rid of this is, okay, well, let's think about that stuff. Why is that the case? So I heard this point, you know, when, when you figure out like what causes those patterns. So it was somebody speaking at the Mises Institute and there were two different guys. So one, there was a rabbi and then another one, it was Patrick Byrne the CEO of Overstock, who he wasn't physically there. He was like getting broadcast in from somewhere. And I believe the rabbi made the point saying, you know, why are we so successful financially? And he was saying, well, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, we, we have a, a saying that when I'm a rich man or that, you know, it's a line from a famous song or something. And he said, notice it's not saying if I'm a rich man, it says when I'm a rich man. So it's just like a given that we're going to be financially successful. And I believe Byrne was the one who made the point saying that historically, like it was sort of a deliberate strategy that if they knew at any point the authorities could turn on them and they would be dispossessed of their belongings and driven out, you know, exiled, that the thing it made sense to focus on was not physical capital, but intellectual capital. Right. And so that's what, you know, they would stress education and make sure like your children knew how to run a business and stuff, as opposed to like buying more land. Remember like the guy in Braveheart, after he screws over Braveheart, the dad's like, you increased your lawns and you know, that's all you need to do, son. So that guy, his advice to his kid, besides, you know, not being cool because he screwed over Braveheart, but also um, it wouldn't be appropriate for somebody who was part of a of an ethnic group that historically would often have to leave town, right? There's no point increasing your lands if you have to move on the other side of the globe. So that was what I believe it was Byrne's point was he was saying is that the Jewish people, because of their circumstances and what happened to them historically, then, you know, they adopted the strategy of, you know, teaching their children to be very resilient and, you know, have a lot of, capital as it were up in their heads as opposed to you know having a bunch of machinery or owning a bunch of factories or something because that could be taken from you by the local authorities what else do i want to say on patterns and things so this issue of kanye lashing out i've noticed this right it's that there is this animosity i when i was in grad school i was bouncing around from various neighborhoods that I kept moving to progressively worse neighborhoods in terms of crime to do better on the rent as I got braver and more street savvy and figured out, okay, this place is all right. I know how to survive here. 
and one of them was Crown Heights, and there was definitely some racial tension there, and you could see that like the Jewish Hasidic community all decked out, and then right next to a very predominantly black community, and they did not interact well, like on the subways and stuff. I would just see you know people harassing the Hasidic Jews, and there you know there was an incident in the eighties, I think, where there was a funeral. And somebody driving the car ran over like a little black kid that was crossing the street. And that was, you know, it was not good. So anyway, I also noticed it with the movie Straight Outta Compton. You weren't expecting me to go there, were you? So the background, it's like NWA and, and all these groups and, you know, Easy e Boys in the Hood. And they were all buddies. And then there's a split. And Easy e goes to war with Dr. Dre and, you know, Snoop Dogg. And in the movie, they really make it look like they were all buds. And then this Jewish guy comes along from the music industry and peels Easy e off and corrupts him with promises of millions of dollars if he will just, you know, leave his brothers. And then that's what happens. You know, so it's portrayed as, yeah, Easy e made the wrong choice, but he was corrupted by this Jewish devil. And it was his name, Paul Giamato, was a guy who played the Jewish record guy, record label guy. Incidentally, since I brought up that movie, let me just mention, I thought they did not do a service or they did a disservice to Eazy-E because after they make the split, they showed how Dre and Snoop did their funny, like, you know, rap put downs of Eazy-E but they didn't show how easy he hit back. And I believe it was in the album 187 Um Killa, where 187 is the police code for a homicide, as we all know. And in particular, I have in mind such songs as Real Mother Effin' G's, where Easy E says stuff like, All of a sudden, Dr. Dre is a G thing, but on his own album covers, he was a she thing, which, you know, in a modern LGBTQ plus environment may not be such a valid thing to bring up, but at the time, some might have considered it relevant. And then somebody else on that song wasn't easy. Somebody else was saying, just take a good look at the fella and you'll capture the fact that the master is simply just an actor who mastered the bang and the swang and the mental of fellas in Compton, Watts, and South Central. Now, I should mention that in the actual lyrics, they did not use the word fellas. They used a different word that I certainly cannot say, especially while I'm holding the baby. Kanye could say it, and he'd be, oh, you know, that'd be fine, but I cannot repeat it. I'm debating whether we should go ahead and re-record this, but I think I want to leave it in. I think the baby adds something to the effect. Okay, so there you go. There's definitely this animosity, and, you know, I've often wondered what is it. Is it like both groups have been marginalized by the power structure, and is there some sort of clashing over that turf? You know, I, I don't know. Is a white guy... What can I say? I'm not qualified to weigh in on this conversation. I will say that the stereotypes, you know, so I've argued that, you know, there can be ways in which stereotypes are fine. They're useful. They can add to comedic value. And I think it's fine to, uh, you know, when you, when you praise the attributes of someone, you know, like you, like I say, like to say, oh yeah, the Chinese people tend to stress family and education and, so on. They're entrepreneurial. Like, I don't think that's 
Some people don't like that. They say you shouldn't talk like that. It puts unfair expect. Like, don't say, oh, all the Chinese kids are good at math because that's not true. And it's not fair to the, you know, puts on undue expectations. Then it's harmful to other groups who then, you know, if people just assume they're not good at math because, you know, the Chinese kid will be better, you know, that kind of stuff. Fair enough. But again, I think there's plenty of context in which thinking like that is fine. So I guess what I would say is the reason hateful stereotypes are wrong is not because it's a stereotype, but because it's hateful. Like, that's the issue. And so I think Lex missed the mark when he was saying to Kanye, you know, everybody's just an individual, just treat it like that. It's that in general, no, there's plenty of situations in which you can't. I mean, for example, malice rails against the corporate press. And whether you like that term or not, I don't think it would work to say, no, no, let's treat each member of the journalism profession as an individual and, you know, let's not lump them together. You know what I mean? Like that's, or people talking about neocons or something like, yeah, sometimes if you unfairly label someone or it's just, you use it just as a pejorative and you don't analyze their arguments, that's a problem. But the mere act of coming up with a category into which to put people, I don't think per se, that's a bad, you know, talk about, oh yeah, these free bankers, they're always talking about fractional reserve banking being allowed. And I don't like, you know, are we allowed to call people free bankers? Right. So, we use categories and distill down the various viewpoints of people. You know, we, there's different artists and, oh, these people were part of this movement and these people were part of this movement and so on. And are you going to just say you're not allowed to tell? Yeah, each individual artist had his or her own nuances, but it makes sense to have different periods in art history and different movements and to say, oh, these people belong to this school and these people belong to this school. I'm an Austrian economist, even though on some matters, you know, I'm more favorable to game theory than I'm guessing Hans Hoppe is. It still makes sense to say there's such a thing as the Austrian school. Okay, let me also address head on. I've noticed besides this tension, this animosity between Oh, let me mention another thing too. So I've seen examples with my own eyes of, like I say, some punk kids on the subways being very rude and harassing the Hasidic Jews who are riding the subway. But Kanye on Twitter has been showing stuff of, and there was one tweet that was hilarious where he's like, now when I had this, uh, you know, the red hat period where I was mis misdiagnosed with exhaustion and I'm not supposed to say who the race of the doctor was or the media, but it was a Jewish doctor. Right. And it just went viral because it's just like his delivery was funny the way he said it. But assuming this, the things he texted out were accurate, is this celebrity trainer guy or, you know, doctor said some pretty bad things to him, like, you know, in allegedly private conversations over text saying like, Hey, there's two ways we can do this. The first way is I try to help you. You don't cuss me out. And we do it that way. The second way is I have you institutionalized and they're going to drug you up and, you know, good luck with play dates that way. And so Kanye was saying, look at how they're talking to me. They're trying to keep me down, control what I say, threatening to drug me and using my kids as bargaining chips. Right. And so, and he was, you know, talking with Lex about how all these people in the music industry, the le record label executives, you know, giving him terrible contracts that only later do you realize just how bad they were and things like that. And hey, they all happen to be. So, you know, he's got his experiences too. And so you can see the animosities there. 
And so let me say, be, you know, besides those patterns that I've just noticed, Hotep Jesus also alludes to that stuff. He's a little bit more coy about it than Kanye is. So he doesn't get as much trouble. He's not as big a target. You know, elephant in the room, I get lots of emails and things over the year, or I have gotten lots of emails over the years and things from white Christians who, Protestants, who, you know, they're not fans of the Jewish people. So again, rather than just like, oh, that's not nice. Don't you know what happened in Nazi Germany with that kind of attitude? Let's just take it head on and say, what are you talking about? If you're a Christian, how in the world can you not like Jewish people? It doesn't make any sense. They're literally God's chosen people according to you, according to the Bible. Jesus was Jewish. When God decided to become a man, he came as a Jew. Mary and Joseph, his parents, were devout Jews. His disciples, you know, his inner circle that he picked, they were all from that tradition. That's where they were waiting for the Messiah. It wouldn't have made sense for Gentiles to be, you know, they wouldn't even have a framework to understand who he was. Moses, Jewish. King David, Jewish. Let alone Mises and Rothbard, right? So it doesn't make any sense. Now, if you say, oh, well, you know what? But they killed him. It was the Jews who killed Jesus. And so that's, you know, as a Christian, like that's the standard line, right? Like if you asked a Christian, how can you as a Christian have any malice in your heart for the Jewish people? They could say, oh, because they killed Jesus. And well, no, guess what? They actually didn't. It was the Romans who physically did it. And if you want to say, oh, well, I don't mean like who literally put nails into him. I mean, like who was responsible for it? Okay, you were. And I was, our sin is what nailed him to the cross, according to your own doctrines. If you want to like step back and look at the big picture. So again, you don't have to just say, oh, I don't want to use stereotypes. And plus I'll get in trouble with the HR department and my job. No, you can take these things on face value. It's of all people who really, it makes no sense to be harboring anti-Semitism. It would be professed Christians. That makes no sense whatsoever. Your king is a Jew. He is the king of the Jews and everybody else. So in conclusion, folks, love everybody. Hatred is wrong. Hateful stereotypes are wrong because they're hateful, not because they're stereotypes. And with that, I will see you next time. You've just experienced another episode of The Bob Murphy Show, the podcast promoting free markets, free minds, and grateful souls. For more information and to subscribe to this podcast, visit bobmurphyshow.com. 